Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Well, you have two expectations for me today. One, deliver an okay message and make sure you get out of here by 1230 is the other one, right? I can deliver on one of those, I promise. Who's excited about football today? Anybody? All right. The rest of you could care less. That's okay. But uh, let's just be excited at one o'clock when we just destroy the Jets. You know what I'm saying? The Jets. No, 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 no. The Ravens are playing the Jets. You know what I'm saying? Go Birds. Anybody like the Ravens back there? Anybody? All right. All right. <laughs> we got a Jets fan. <laughs> so um, here's what this, this is going to be a safe place for all your teams, even the Browns. It's a safe place. Even the, Cow, uh, the Cowboys. I don't know. Look at that. We got some Cowboys. If we can do this, it's an act of God. That's what we're going to say, right? So all these teams, they come together. And what do they compete for? To win. And what's the trophy called? The Vince Lombardi trophy. Yeah. If you haven't looked much into Vince Lombardi's life, it's pretty cool. And it's a great time of year to look at that. If you don't know his history, in 1970, the trophy became that title. I believe that was the year. I think it was 1970. And his story was he was a first time NFL coach for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers in 1959 had a dismal season. They had one win, 10 losses, and they had a tie. And so they weren't sure if they were going to continue the franchise. They had not had a winning season. I believe it was 12 years. And so he comes in there, and he kind of turns things around. Their first year together, they had a winning season of 7-5. and five. The following season, they were 8-4. and four, Lost the championship to who? The Eagles. They lost the championship to the Eagles, so you feel good about that. That was pre-Super Bowl. But then he said, we're not going to lose again. That was his statement. And uh, the book... Uh, it was titled, uh, When Pride Still Mattered, A Life of Vince Lombardi. It says he went to the 1961 training camp different. And it says he took nothing for granted. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming the players were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, this is a football, right? And Lombardi was coaching a team who just came up short of winning a championship. So they knew what football was. They knew how the game was played. Yet he was telling them to go back to the fundamental things they had done since they started playing. How to block. How to pass. How to do all these very basic things. And so we thought it's a good idea to go back to the basics with our faith. Because how long have you prayed? If you've prayed before. How long have you went to church? How long have you done these religious things? And I can remember I was 35 years old. It was assessing my prayer life, and I remembered I said something in my prayer I had said since probably I was seven or eight, and it was, God, help me to go to sleep and have no nightmares. 
Like, it just became a part of my prayer. You know, I'd be like, God, do with this. God, be with this. And help me go to sleep and have no nightmares. And I just giggled. I was like, I have been saying that line in my prayer since probably seven, thoughtlessly, but thought it had a lot of meaning in it. But what are the rhythms and routines we do in our faith? And we just do it without understanding the basics. And what if we had a deeper thought? Maybe there's a better way to pass or block or do these things. If we look back to the fundamental approach, if we said, hey, this is a football. So part of this series is going to be exploring five things that we want us to re-examine. The first is, what's an understanding of grace? That'll be next week. You see, if we get grace wrong, we really mess a lot of things up in Christianity. It says we're saved by grace, not by works. And that's interesting because sometimes we think we're one bad decision or one choice away from God saying, I'm done with you, right? When you start thinking like, I messed up this week, I bet God's done with me. That means you don't understand grace. You see, we're saved by grace and we're maintained by grace. You're not perfect once you're saved, right? But if you start working for it, it becomes really miserable. When you feel like a constant disappointment to God, you don't want to be anywhere near God. So if we misunderstand grace, we misunderstand so much. So it's so foundational. We're going to re-explore that next week. Then we're going to look at what's it mean to grow? What's it mean to grow? What does growth look like? How do I go from where I am now to where I want to be? Because sometimes we get the mindset, if I just show up for an hour on Sunday, game day, my life's going to change. Well, there's things we can do all through the week. And it's not about trying hard. It's about training these little simple rhythms that we develop, and we are better functioning all the time. So that's about growth. Then we're going to look at groups. Christianity is not a solo sport. You don't do this on your own. You don't make it on your own. In fact, as we do life together, we say we're not just going to yell at one another. We're going to understand what grace is, and we're going to call each other to our best. Very much like like teammates, right? Like, hey, I just see what you've got going on. You can do a little better. A little bit of truth in there. But we're like, I'm going to walk with you as you do that. I'm going to love you through this. I need you to call out the best in me. And I need you to remind me how good God is, right? When things are hard. That's the foundation of groups. Then we're going to look at gifts. You know, everybody might want to be a quarterback, but not all of us throw like a quarterback, right? (laughs) God has made us all differently. We feel different things. We do different aspects. But when we understand our gifts... We understand how God's made us, how he's created us. And we stop trying to be somebody else, and we embrace how God's created us, and we live for his glory. What's our gifts? And then the last thing is our giving. That'll be the last week. It's about what's giving. What's my time? What's my talent? And what's my treasure? Because some of us, we think what we have is mine. Don't come near it. You seen anybody open a pack of gum like this? If that's you, I'll catch you, and I will ask for a piece of gum. God gave you the gum, and he gave you 20 pieces. Look around. Got 19 people around you. Give them a piece. But that's how we look at our time, or our talent, or our treasure. And it's all God's. It's not ours that we maintain. It's ours that we steward, and we're responsible for. So those are the five weeks we're going to look at. And so that's how we want to live, right? And then when you look at those things, you might say, well, I've already looked at that. I've already talked about that. Yes. It's a football. And we look back at the basics. And the cycle is we learn something, we apply something, we reevaluate something, then we learn something, then we apply it, then we reevaluate. And we keep going back to the foundations until we get through this life. What's this picture look like when we do this? 
What's it look like when we live out these values? I want you to look at a picture here on the screen. And uh, I'm asking Dave to play because I want you to reflect on this picture because there's so many details that aren't in the picture. And I want you to reflect on the current state of your life as you look at this picture. So for instance, is this a sunrise? Is your life full of hope? It's a new day coming across. The forest is coming alive and you hear the sounds. Or is it a sunset and life feels like it's getting darker in this today and you need some rest? So is it the day just starting or do you just need to breathe and rest and recover? You know, another thing you don't know is here's like, what date is this? This could be January 12th. This scene could be covered in white snow the next day, and it is cold, and you're wondering if anything's alive because the forest is quiet, the water's wrestling. Maybe it's spring. Things are coming alive. You have hopes. You have dreams. You have ideas that aren't surfaced yet. It's just buried in the ground, and you're starting to see a sprout, and you believe something beautiful is about to emerge. Maybe it's summer. And these waters are going to be packed with friends and family members floating in their canoes while and by, splashing each other in the water. And it's just fun and life feels good and joyful. 80 degrees. Maybe it's October and you start seeing some leaves fall. And you know it's getting colder. You're getting ready for winter. Just take a moment and reflect on what that season is. What's that date? What's life like? And when you breathe in that space, I want to read a verse to you. It says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees, they're not bothered by the heat, worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What I love about that word is it doesn't matter what date you picked. It doesn't matter if it's a sunrise or a sunset. It doesn't matter if you're three years old or 103. The words are equally true. And sometimes we like to come into this space like everything's amazing and it's summertime. And sometimes it's fall. And sometimes it's winter. This is an image of God's faithfulness in that. I love this verse for a couple things. One, it says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. It's not blessing about what's happening out there, right? It's about where you find your blessing in. It's in God, not in your circumstances, not in all the things that are right in your life or hard in your life or difficult or wonderful. Whether it's a great day or a hard day, the blessing's found in God and it's consistent. It says, they're like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. These roots, they don't like go looking for water, do they? They're in there. They're deep in there. And they're not like saying, oh, I'm going to try over here. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try this. Like, no, I'm grounded and rooted in the thing that lasts. And then it says, their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What's the fruit that they're talking about? 
The fruit, I always go back to Galatians 5, 22. The Holy Spirit, in other words, God's rootedness, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, it doesn't matter what your season of life like is like. This is the fruit. This is the fruit that emerges in January or July or October. And you're like, how do trees produce fruit in December? Well, it doesn't matter because they're rooted and it's God producing it. In fact, watch someone's life when they're going through a hard season and when they're kind and good and gentle and they have self-control and you're like, that's impossible. And they're like, it is. It's God working in me. It's God working through me. And what a testimony that is. That's what winning looks like, right? That's the life of faithfulness we all want. We don't want to be flippant. We don't want the circumstances to change our rootedness. It doesn't matter if it's 30 degrees or 80 degrees. With our roots so deep, it's 55 degrees because they're so deep, it's constant. And so that's what we're striving after. And it might not be achieved the way we think. It might actually be with abiding in Christ. It's not trying something new or wild. It's back to something so basic, so fundamental, that that's how we see the change in life. We want trick plays. We want wonderful quick fixes. Yes, yes. We want, tell me this, and I'm going to apply it tomorrow. Yeah. I was at Eastern University. Got some Eastern alumni back there. There we go. All of you. <laughs> I sat in a class. We were excited about going out and changing the world for Jesus. And we started saying, give us a list. Give us a list. Give us a list. Right? Like you want to know what to go do. And our professor starts with this list. He says, okay, you want a list? Here's the list. We need you to read and memorize scripture. You got to walk with that Bible all the time. You don't have your Bibles with you. You need to memorize it. Take it with you. You don't need a paper book. It's in here. Speak up and defend the faith. Someone has a bad word about Jesus. You defend him. Defend him, right? Like, let him know why. Let him know what's going on. Go to church every weekend. Don't miss a Sunday. Make them all. You're part of the body. Get in there. Be there. That's where the magic happens. Commit to learning and teaching theological truths. Someone says something heresy or something that's not true about God, you need to know how to defend it because you've built a platform, a solid foundation of theological and biblical truth so that when they take a verse out of context, you're like, no, that's not the right context. And you're building this up. You're praying at least three times a day, right? You're not just saying a prayer, God, I'm about to go take this test. Help me. No, you're praying three times a day, real prayers. You're going to fast regularly. You need food. You need God more than food. So when your belly rumbles, you say, God, I need food, but I need you more than food, right? Mm -hmm. Give to the church. That church isn't going to build itself. It needs resources. Build to it. Contribute to it. And we're like, let's do this. We're ready for this. And then he said, you know who did that? We're like, who? He says, the Pharisees. I'm like, what do you mean the Pharisees? Like, the Pharisees didn't get along with Jesus. He's like, look at that list. That's what the Pharisees did. You see, sometimes we think we're going to get better if we do more. Mm. And what the Pharisees teach us, we can do the right things with the wrong heart and end up on a losing team. So why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Because if it's not about fruitfulness and faithfulness to God and others, we've missed it. 
Because sometimes we get so headstrong. We got, we got a new season. We're going, to do, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to hit all these markers. And it becomes about, I'm doing the markers, right? God produces these things in us. It's quite a moment to realize you can do the right things and end up in rough shape. This book is the one we're going to look at on Tuesday nights. It's just looking at these things. It's one of the group options you have. I'm going to give you a couple quotes from it. This one says, Spirituality wrongly understood and pursued is a major source of human misery and rebellion against God. Maybe you know someone who went to a school that taught those things solidly, and they're no longer walking in the faith. And you're like, how did they abandon this upbringing? And it wasn't that the upbringing was wrong. There were good things. It's good to do those things. The heart wasn't connected to the bigger why, pleasing and loving God. Maybe you yourself, you've done the right things. You're like, I don't feel this relationship with God like it should. And maybe you're doing the right things with the wrong heart and mindset in it. And it's not to bring harsh conviction. It's like, don't give up on the right things. Just make sure you retweak the heart of the matter. You see, when we get back to the basics, here's our goal. Our goal is to help you carefully define and then joyfully pursue a spiritual life with God. I appreciate how the book says this. So what's a spiritual life? It says to pursue spiritual life means simply this, to know Jesus more intimately and to live as if he were in your place. It is to order your life in such a way that you stay connected to Christ, thinking as he thought, speaking as he spoke, and walking as he walked. Read that again. It is to order your life in such a way that you stay connected to Christ, thinking as he thought, speaking as he spoke, and walking as he walked. Being connected with Christ means you understand he wants to be connected to you. This is, we can't compartmentalize our lives. We like to say, here's the church part of me, and here's me. And here's the God part of me, and here's me. It's not. It's all God. It's all spiritual, and it all matters. And it's not this list of rules. It's not, hey, I'm watching you. <laughs> Five-yard penalty. Nope. Mm-mm. You did that wrong. That's not God's heart in the matter. In fact, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? What do I need to focus on? How do I win the game? What's the commandment I need to keep? He didn't get to an action. He went to a heart matter. Remember his response? It was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and all your strength. And the second says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So how are you doing? It's not how often am I reading, how often am I praying, how often, how often, how often. It's how am I loving? What's my fruit? And if my fruit's not right, where are my roots? Because if the roots end in myself, that's not good roots. <laughs> I can't feed myself. Roots connected to roots, nothing's coming. So that's the question. How does this play out? Am I becoming more loving towards God and people? And do I see the fruit in my life? One more quote from the book. It says, your spiritual life is simply your whole life. Every minute and every detail of it from God's perspective. In other words, God isn't interested in your spiritual life. God is simply interested in your life. And every moment is an opportunity to do life in Jesus' name. Stop thinking it's spiritual to come to church and it's not spiritual to go to work on Monday. Stop thinking it's spiritual to serve at Good Works on Saturday and not how I take care of the break room at work, right? It's all spiritual, and God cares about every aspect of it. 
There is nothing, that poor boy in the back, right there, Nathan Silver, right? I'm going to call you out right now because you're looking down. You're not looking at me, right? You see me? He fell asleep three times just now. He did. There's nothing he can do that doesn't affect me. Nothing he can do that doesn't affect me, right? Every single aspect of his life, how he treats his siblings, how he treats me, how he studies for school, everything he does because I love him. Nothing he does is void of my heart. Jesus is the same way. He cares about how you work, how you talk to people, how you treat your neighbor, how he loves you. And it's based in a desire to see you succeed. He wants the best for you. He wants you to be nourished. It is not about, let me grade you constantly. And if you're a child who was part of a family that you felt graded, did you love your parent back? You need to feel the love in order to appreciate the relationship. Compartmentalizing never goes well. Colossians 3.17 is one of the theme verses we're due here. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, whatever you do doesn't leave much room, does it? Oh, God doesn't care about this. I'm just going to Walmart. I'm just going to Target. He doesn't care how I act in here. He cares. He saw you. He saw you not hang that shirt back up you took down and looked at. He saw you put that card over there, left it in the middle, against the curb, instead of putting it where the carts go. He hated that. He doesn't hate much, but he hated that. He cares about how you talk to your family. He cares about how you treat your coworker. He cares about what you do at school. He cares about it all. And not because he wants you to make sure you know, you're, you're, you're just right. It's because he cares about you. Whatever you do, insert whatever you do in there. And do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Speak as he speaks. Think as he speaks. Walk as he walks. What would Jesus do if he was walking into your workplace tomorrow? That's your scale. And when you feel like, I don't feel like doing that today. Then you say, Jesus, I need you to help me be you today. Right? (laughs) Yes. Believe me. Your boss and your coworkers would rather have Jesus than you at work. Let me tell you that. More than likely. <laughs> I know, I'd, rather hear, I'd rather hear Jesus tell this message than me. So it's all about that. It's no longer about pleasing God for pleasing God's sake. It's about pleasing God because it's best. And we get this mindset that it's all spiritual, that it matters to Jesus because we matter to Jesus. It just changes how we see life, it changes the paradigm. What's a spiritual thing? It's all spiritual. And we bring compartments into life. And so what I want to do is just challenge you with three things to take on this week. This week's super simple. The three things I want you to do is I want you to take your phone, if you have one now, and I want you to set a daily timer, a daily alarm for 3.17 p.m. If you're at work night shift, do a.m. We'd love to have a couple people here in the a.m. round. But at 3.17, I want you to set an alarm that every day it goes off. And wherever you find yourself at 3.17, live for Jesus that moment. Yes, do it for the entire day. But at 317, wherever you find yourself doing, whether you're running with your track team or you are on lunch or your work or you're at your laptop or you're at your desk, think, what would Jesus do in this very moment if he was me? And then I want you to commit to memorizing Colossians 317 so that at 317, you can just read that verse. Work on memorizing. If you do this for six weeks, you'll have it down. 
Okay, whatever you do, what am I doing right now? Okay, this is what I'm doing. In word and in deed, rather I'm going to speak to someone or I'm about to do a task. I'm going to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to give the thanks to the God the Father through him. 317, wherever you find yourself. You're going to memorize that verse. And then I want you to join a group and talk this through. Not all the groups are going to study this material, but all the groups care about living our lives right. So get in community and process this. Get back to the basics. Say, I'm struggling with this grace thing. I've never understood it. Yeah, I understand it's the process, but... Or hey, I don't have anyone in my life. I know I'm supposed to have community, and I guess coming to you in a room is kind of community, but it's not real community because I'm actually not telling you what I'm struggling with. I have a counselor. I don't mind telling you I have a counselor. I told my counselor details about a situation that I was going through. I said, I feel stupid by how much stuff I'm sharing right now. I actually feel dumb because I'm getting so granular down in this conversation. And he's like, we've lost the art of having this level of honest conversation with one another. And until you actually get down to the basics and have a conversation about how you feel and why you feel that way, you're not going to grow. We think talking is talking, but we need to get back to the basics and say, what's it mean to be honest and vulnerable with somebody else and let someone else carry my burden? Because we don't do it well. We're great about talking about previous victories, right? Let me tell you about how I got past this. I can take about seven hours about that, but don't let me tell you what I'm struggling with right now. 317, what are you doing? Set your alarm, memorize this text, join a group with the right heart. (laughs) Don't make it a task list. And what I want you to do right before we get to communion, I want you to take just a moment, and I want to put that image back up with the verse Dave's going to play just for a second here. And just have an honest conversation with Jesus. Just take a minute, two minutes. Have an honest conversation with Jesus about the season you're in. And if you're disappointed in that season, tell Jesus about it. Just say, God, I'm in, the, I'm in January and it just doesn't feel good. And if you're in July and it feels great, tell Jesus, thank you. I'm in July and the fruits are apparent. And if it's November, whatever date you have on the calendar, whether this is a sunrise or a sunset, tell it to Jesus. He wants to hear about it. And he's going to walk with you. I'll start that prayer and I encourage you to continue it. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to connect today. And God, we do get fired up about a task list, but rather than a list, we need a heart inspection. How are our hearts with you, God? I pray that you will just really um, help us to be honest about how we feel about you, about life. And however exciting or scary that place is, we know that you're a God who's over all of it. Help us to lean into you and trust you more. It's in your name we pray. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.